0: why? Why do evil people prosper while God honouring people go hungry? It's a legitimate question. Why do honest workers not get the promotion while less honest people climb the ladder? Why do so many people get to have kids when they maybe don't seem like they really care and the couple that desperately wants a child remains childless? These are questions we live with. Why do generous godly people sometimes go backwards financially while selfish people get rich? Why do, this is often what gets me, why do the poorest nations on earth also have the most brutal weather conditions? So you don't ever look at the news and you think, wow, they've got it so tough. Um, These are questions we ask. And the biggest of them all probably is, Why doesn't God seem fair? Well, we are in this book, Habakkuk, in the Old Testament. And it's a book that deals with some of these issues. Habakkuk begins in verse one. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? In verse two. But you do not listen. Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? I find it interesting that these words are written something like maybe 2,700 years ago and it seems like they could be written today, don't they? These words are just as plausible for us 2,700 years later. The prophet Habakkuk is looking at life around him and he's thinking about his belief system. He's looking at life, the way the world is, is panning out, history is flowing forward, and he's thinking of his belief system of one sovereign God, Yahweh, who's on the throne, and, and, and Habakkuk's one of his people, and Habakkuk's looking at the people of God, and he's looking through that theological filter at the world and the way history is unfolding, and he's still asking this same question, how do the two... Match up. It's the plausibility question. And I think this is one of the big reasons why you know somebody who has walked away from their Christian faith. It got to a point in their life where they went, my belief system, the real world, that belief system doesn't seem plausible in that real world. And I can't cope with the tension anymore. There is some point where I feel like I don't need to put on the fake mask anymore. I'm gonna take it off and I'm not not gonna pretend anymore. Anyone know this? Some of my closest friends have walked that path. And they're still walking away from God. But it's it's because of these questions, and they're really they're legitimate questions that come out of life circumstance. Let me give you a bit of context for this book of Habakkuk. It's um, one of the 12 minor prophets. uh, You see a list up here. Um, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And we know the least about Habakkuk. We, We know that he lived somewhere around 600 BC. So it's at the start of the destruction of the southern kingdom is when he was alive he was a temple musician who became a priest and then a prophet and all around Habakkuk he sees violence and corruption and fights and ungodliness and into this environment the Lord speaks to this prophet God says to Habakkuk my people are becoming increasingly wicked And so I'm going to use an even more wicked nation to bring judgment upon them." Habakkuk is quite incredulous. He's like, what the? I think that's a bit unfair. And then we watch Habakkuk literally wrestle with God over these issues. And um, anyone know what Habakkuk as a name means? To wrestle. (laughs) That's why he's got that name. He wrestles with God. Habakkuk is a great book to study because it reflects the challenges of real life, I think. The ambiguity, the, the tension. The text begins the prophecy or oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. Oracle means an utterance, a doom, a burden. So Habakkuk has been given a burden. And he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk doesn't want this message that God is giving him to release. He doesn't want this task. He's wrestling with God. And Habakkuk gets right up into God's face, as it were. I think what he's saying in these verses in the 21st century is he's saying, God, you want me to speak for you, but I'm living in a world where drink drivers kill innocent four-year-old girls and get off lightly. I don't get it. You want me to stand up for something that's just and true, but I'm living in a world where a whole city's inhabitants will be brought to starvation and suffering because of some selfish, narcissistic family who run the government. I thought you were the God in control. Habakkuk's asking these questions, saying the law is paralyzed justice never prevails nothing it seems turns out fair I I think on the screen you can see a summary of some of the questions that Habakkuk is asking and uh, the complaints he's making and it's a little bit gutsy really to go to the God who has all power and say these things he says you don't seem to care God you aren't doing much when you could and what you're doing doesn't seem fair Maybe some of you would like to take a little phone shot of that included in your prayers. Some of us feel like this. You don't seem to care. You aren't doing much when you could. And what you are doing doesn't seem fair. Are you allowed to say comments like that to God? Very honest. (laughs) There's not much response, is there? Are you allowed to say stuff like that? Or if you do, would you expect to have your armpits infested by a million fleas or something? (laughs) Do you get punished if you talk like that to God? And the answer is a resounding no. It's okay. It's okay because it's the only place you can truly bring your raw and authentic self and feel safe. Amen? Before God. And you say, God, I don't understand. I'm just going to be honest with you because you don't like hypocrisy. You see my heart, whether I speak it or not. And that's why Habakkuk is so encouraging for us. Can you question God? Yes, you can. you might remember a third of the Psalms, the worship songbook of Israel, is about people asking questions of God. One third of their songbook. read the book of Job read Lamentations it's the people of God saying God we're... read Lamentations and the refrain is what? comfort, there's no comfort there's no comfort I can't find comfort anywhere wandering around the desolate ruins of Jerusalem destroyed, it's a lament consistently we read have mercy, help us Why, God, have you allowed this? We see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus himself, he was sinless, yet on the cross, as he bore this full brunt of the wrath of God, what did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even in that moment, it's so poignant, isn't it? That the Son of God, with all understanding, is just reflecting humanity. The cross is like... Wow, God, what's going on? Of course, no one put him on the cross other than Jesus himself. So there's this tension of belief and yet raw questioning what is going on. This is a a helpful little uh, graph, I think. Christianity is like this. We come from a place of unbelief and then we put our faith in Christ. And it's hopefully the most wonderful thing that ever happened in your life. You say, Jesus, I understand because you've turned the lights on. I can see it now. You've always loved me and you died on the cross for me. And we put faith in that wonderful event. Jesus dying for me on the cross and rising again from the dead and offering his spirit to fill me by faith. I become a child of the living God. And there is transformation because if there's not, there's a problem. And life changes and sometimes we kick habits that we haven't been able to kick And We certainly have a, like breathing in the oxygen of new life. It's to be born again and we, we come into a new community and as Rachel prayed the family and maybe some of us didn't have family, but suddenly we do. We're part of a place and we belong. And then in your experience, does the trajectory keep always heading up? It doesn't tend to, it comes down. And in this place of sea, in this crisis of belief, people have to make a choice what they're going to do because it just doesn't stay as a mountaintop experience, faith in Jesus, Christianity. Read the Old Testament, the New, think through history, think through your own life. There are times when God seems really quiet. And sometimes we bring it on ourselves through our own sin, or it's just the circumstances of life. Whatever happens, there is a dip. And so we have a choice. What are we going to do? And at that point C, often we go back to B, which is just denial. We were watching the pink test, Lockie and I, um, recently, and it reminded me, you know, the cricket um, at the SCG, the pink test in honour of um, Jane McGrath. And I remember watching um, just pre two thousand and eight when she died. It might have been the end of two thousand and seven or early two thousand and eight, Andrew Denton. Anyone remember Enough Rope? That interview program. I'm gonna ask the guys at night and no one's gonna nod. <laughs> They're shaking already. It's the problem with preaching the same message morning and night. Your age always is showing up. It was a very good interview program called Enough rope, so they just talked and talked. Um, but I remember Glenn McGrath being interviewed by Andrew Denton with his wife, Jane. And Andrew said, do you guys ever talk about death? And Glenn is a powerful, victorious sportsman. He said, we never talk about death. It's not even an option. It's not an option on the table. We're gonna beat this. <clears throat> now the pink test is a pink test because it's in honor of Jane who died because stuff happens that smacks us in the face. And one option in life is to say, I'm not even gonna think it's happened. And we've all done it, it's part of grief. But it's actually not helpful overall to live in denial, because the other option is to just throw it all in. Say, look, if it's it's not gonna be victory, if if I'm gonna have to have these questions, I'm out of here, we were... um, I was involved in a discovery group years ago at Carring It was a, a fantastic group of blokes who were investigating Christianity. And there was a guy who came from um, ANSET. I was ever heard of ANSET? <laughs> <laughs> Jansen Jansen. <laughs> yeah, so there used to be this other, as well as Qantas, there was ANSET, an Australian carrier, airline carrier. Um, this guy worked for ANSET, and, uh, and he, he, they're a very close family group for Ansett. Anyway, he was so close to giving his life to Jesus. And then the Bali bombings, bombings happened. And some of his closest mates were in Bali when it happened. And I just watched this happen. He had actually put his faith, but he was so close, or maybe he had in his heart, I don't know, but... He said, if God can allow that to happen to my mate, I don't want anything to do with God. And he walks away. We've had it in our church here in the last two and a half years since I've been here. People have had a strong faith, but the circumstances of life hit them. They say, I can't cope with this. Now, I don't know if they walk away from faith completely. We don't believe it. Most of us, they're our loved ones. But they... In their, in their verbal pronouncing of faith, they go, I'm going back to A. Because I just can't cope with this. It doesn't make sense. I don't want, I've don't i heard people say, I don't want to walk away, but I can't hold the tension any longer, because I refuse to be a fake. And you know what? I want to honour that person. Amen? Mm-hmm. Honestly. And keep praying for them. Because you've got to be honest. That It's hard. So what's the other option? The other option is you head on down into the dip. You you keep going. And you realise that this is par for life. Amen? Honestly, this is par for life. It it is not an upward trajectory all the time. Um, And in that dip, there are things that we learn that we can't learn anywhere other than in that dip, which is the story of first, Second Corinthians chapter 1. God has allowed, the God of all comfort has allowed you to experience this so that what? You can take that comfort and give it to others who would never listen to you if you hadn't walked through it. So in the dip, we are getting, getting things from God that we can't get any other way. We're finding an intimacy with him that ultimately will take you to Eve. He'll take you deeper. it will take you higher than you were before. Is that true for many of us here? As we walk through and work out what it's like to only have God, we get more to offer. We find perseverance and long-suffering and that perseverance finishes its work in us that we might be mature and complete, lacking nothing, as scripture says. So I wonder where you are at at the moment. This is uh, God's response to Habakkuk in verse five. The place of sea is a place of wondering, isn't it? You're wondering, you're actually weighing up options God says to Habakkuk in verse five, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Now the context is Habakkuk is looking around saying, there is so much injustice. We are so far below what that blessing in Genesis 12, one to three said, you'd bless us and we'd bless all the nations and we'd have victory and we would be the, the reflection of your glory. And he's looking around saying, God, I don't see it. And then God says, "Okay, let me give you something else to think about. You're going to be utterly amazed, mate, when I tell you this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians. I know you get it, that you're my people, but this is what I'm going to do. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They're feared and dreaded people. They're a lord of themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They're all uh, they come bent on violence, so I'm going to raise them up and use them for my purposes. And Habakkuk is astonished. But it's OK to hold simultaneously faith and question. It's what we see in Mark 9. Do you remember that story where um, Jesus is speaking to a father and the father's son has been affected by an evil spirit for a very long time and the father of the boys says to Jesus, the wrong thing. Can, can you do anything about this? <clears throat> Jesus says, can I? Can I? Anything is possible for one who believes. And what is the father's response? I do believe. But is there any chance you could help me have some more? <clears throat> I do believe, honestly, they help me overcome my unbelief. I think what he meant was this. Jesus, you know my heart. You know I've believed for so long. But my boy has been sick for. So long, I'm worn out. I'm worn out. That's what I'm telling you. I do believe, but help me because I'm worn out. I've got nothing left. Another place he says he won't tempt us beyond what we can bear. Sometimes we have to say that to him. I'm past what I can bear, Lord. Help my unbelief. Simultaneously holding these questions and faith, intention. Habakkuk's response is in verse 12. <clears throat> he says, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them, that's the Babylonians, to punish. But your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Because he's trying to understand. Okay, you're bringing judgment. That's why you're doing it. But then he's questioning, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? It's an interesting little couple of verses, isn't it? You always wanna quote it, put it on a card, put it on a Facebook post. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh Lord, you aren't you not from everlasting? But the very next thing he's like, but you're doing hardly anything. Why don't you really stop the unjust? And I think what Habakkuk is saying, God, I believe but gee, it's difficult. So as we work through these three chapters in Habakkuk, the first chapter is about wondering, where Habakkuk is just wondering, God, how are you going to do this? I don't even know. I I want to believe, but I'm struggling with life. And then the second chapter is about waiting, in the dip, waiting there. And then the third chapter is a wonderful chapter. It's about worship in the midst of not having all the answers given to you. So some of us here, I know, have been through that dip and some might say, I'm on my 10th time through, because that's what life's about, isn't it? This sort of cycle, things are going well again, because that's what happens up here at E, it doesn't stay there forever. And there's another dip. We ask these questions. God, are you fair? I was once upset that some people had said lies about me. And a good mate came to me and I was complaining. And he said to me, David Pawson, an English preacher, he he, uh, he once had a line where he felt the Spirit of God came to him and said, David, you, I know you're complaining about people lying about you. Do you want me to tell them all what you and I know the truth is? And he said, no, no. Do you know what I mean? We want God to be fair, but not too fair. We want We want the truth told about us but not the truth that only God and I know about me. I want a filtered truth out there. I want God to be fair but not too fair. Don't judge me, God. I want you to be not fair for me but fair for them. But grace is about saying, God, you're fair and I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it but I'm clinging on to Grace and confidence that you're way more fairer than I could ever be. Amen? However this is going to pan out, God, you are sovereign and you're good. Now that's a place to get to that'll get you through most things in life. If God really is good, what a wonderful set of hands to be sitting in. If God is good, we can trust him.